Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food producers and food consumers, seeing as how the farm bills are ramping up. We better get on top of what the real issues are. Nobody brings us more poignant issues than Hank Vogler checking in from White Pine County, Nevada. How's Hank? Jumping high and feeling good. Like, like a spring colt. Yep. Thank you, Ellie. So yep. we, we are always quick to complain when the weather and the moisture is not right. We've had about, I don't know, a little over four inches, Hank, in the last 10 days. I don't remember four inches coming in 10 days coming in a more appropriate manner, just slow and steady. We have no filling of the stock ponds taking place because it's all just sinking in. I got a neighbor 40, 40 miles from me who says he's up over seven inches in 10 days. So the northern Great Plains has had a little relief from Kansas south. I don't think they've had the same luxury that we've had in the last 10 days. My neighbor would say, yeah, that's how the last drought started. (laughs) (laughs) I could have predicted that, by the way. (laughs) Well, all I can tell you is that we're still in the business of buying snowshoes for our sheep because the mountains are still pretty white around here. And the the cricks are running, or whatever you want to call them, but they're, they're out running. So... Anyhow, we're doing the best we can under the circumstances. Coyotes are working on us. Uh, you know, just same old, same old, just fun, fun, fun. So, you know how we've, we've, we know and we've come to realize, not you and I, because we've been there the whole time, that the, the nonsense of climate change is just a hoax to control more of our lives. Uh, there's many avenues like that, the diet, the food and nutrition program, which is going to come out of the USDA farm bill. That's just a hoax to control our lives. Hank, there's another one that I bought into at some level for quite some time. I came, I went last week to, uh, I decided that I want to put more emphasis on water, available water for food production. And so last week I went to Melbourne Dam on the Middle Loop River. It's about 80 miles from my house. I live off of the Middle Loop River about five miles. So Middle Loop River in Nebraska is just, it's a, it's a beast when it comes to irrigating crops. And the, the, the river itself is fed by a spring. And the spring has not really weakened through the years. The spring still comes, and we need to be uh, prudent with the water that comes out of that spring that feeds the Middle Loop River, but the spring continues to flow. So my question is, this is without any geology, without any physics, without any science. If the spring continues to flow at the same rate that it always has, dating back to the 30s, how depleted can the Ogallala aquifer, which feeds the spring, really be? Well, I'm sure it's at different levels. Whatever its source is, you know, probably one of the, in southeast Oregon and throughout that country, there's lots of lava tubes 
that somehow the water over the millenniums figured out how to run down and they, mm-hmm. their sources are far different than others. There, there was a spring, uh, that fed a place on the South Fork of the Mile here that never fluctuated during even the great droughts and all the everything. It just always ran the same. And the only explanation is, is that wherever that origin of that aquifer was, it's, it's in a different area that is less affected. Now, maybe drilling upstream or something or higher up on the deal could deplete it. But so far, uh, you haven't been caught. So you probably better not tell anybody or somebody be trying to tap it up ahead at you. <laughs> no, see, that's the issue. And obviously, uh, we had Chuck Miller on this program a week and a half ago from Brush, Colorado, who stays on top of the South Platte River. And the South Platte River through Colorado comes into Nebraska, feeds into the Platte, and the middle loop feeds into the plat as well. There, you just nailed the difference. The The middle loop has zero population growth that's tapping into it. The middle loop is supplying the same irrigated acres. Only thing is, we've learned to be more efficient with the water in irrigation than we were when it was built in the 50s and the 60s. And, and so the same amount of water goes a little farther. The irrigation challenges come when the urbanization growth occurs at a higher level than what the water continues to come. And so it gets diverted to other areas other than irrigation. And then the people downstream, like you just illustrated, are sitting there like, where's that water? Why isn't it coming? Well, because it got appropriated to somebody else because they bought some farmland and tied into it, and they're taking that land instead of sending the water on down the stream. That's an oversimplification to the process. But first of all, we know there's the same amount of water on the planet as there was 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked here. The question is, where is the water? Has it been shifted to the Pacific? Has it been shifted somewhere out of the Ogallala and now it's in the Gulf of Mexico? Those are all valid questions. But we have, we've been fed this line that we're using up all the water and there's no water left. That's just simply not true. Well, and even with global warming, it actually should produce more uh, water on the land because as the oceans would warm up, and there would be more evaporation, which means there would be more thunderstorms over that reservoir or whatever, or yeah. over the mountains, because that's what happens. Uh, <clears throat> the oceans become saltier because the fresh water, as it evaporates into the atmosphere and then comes down in the form of rainwater over land, and then we wash more salts to the ocean. There, the, the solution, and Trent, I, this is my new mantra. I say it every time I can get it in front of a microphone. And that is, if you live in Point Barrow, Alaska, you spend a lot of money for heat. If you live in Miami Beach, Florida, you spend a lot of money for air conditioning. If you choose the Southwest to build huge metropolises, whether it's Phoenix, Arizona, or Las Vegas, Nevada, or Los Angeles, California, you not only should have a rather large uh, electric bill for your cooling, you probably are going to wind up with a large bill for water and why they should not have to pay for that privilege of paying more for water. And if you will look off of Los Angeles, if you will take the mileage 
and and what it would take to do it. Desalinization makes sense to me, but it's sort of like putting the windmills up on Martha's Vineyard, not in my backyard. And and I guess people do not want desalinization plants along the ocean, which is a little bit hypocritical. So, I, I mean, I, I don't get it, but <clears throat> there is plenty of water. We just have to put it in the right place. And if urbanization calls for more water, the people that decide they want to live in that climate, they should have to pay for it. And it shouldn't be taken away from farmers or uh, out of the middle of a desert, one of the driest state in the nation, uh, putting in a pipeline. It's, a, it's an embarrassment if you're in the environmental movement, for goodness sakes, to destroy huge areas of whether it's uh, Central Valley, California, or White Pine County, Nevada, or wherever these urban areas, I think uh, Denver, Colorado gets a slug of water from areas that used to be farming. This is absolutely ridiculous. You don't have to go to Disneyland. You don't have to go to a casino in Las Vegas. But if you don't eat, your belly button bangs into your backbone. And everybody just laughs because we have been so bountiful for so many years. But there is a point of diminishing returns, and I think we're getting close to that event, period. Could we change that? Um, I mean, one of the luxuries of going to a casino, instead of going to Las Vegas, could we change that to you don't have to go to Nebraska to go to a casino. It's a luxury. I mean, we don't have to always go to Vegas, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. At one time, they had a handle on it. Then New Jersey got in on it. Well, now I think something like 45, 46 states have some form of casino gambling. So, so yeah. So they they have to compete with uh, Class A yeah. entertainment, uh, Class I'm, A food, all of those things. I'm trying to get Nebraska gaming a little more recognition because, you know, I serve on the Racing and Gaming Commission, and the money we bring in, there's a percentage that goes to help property tax relief. So that's, you know, I'm that's like me a vested politician trying to get money my way because we need property tax relief. Okay. That was supposed to be a little lighter in humor than what it actually came across because it was far too true. Hank Vogler, Trent Lewis, we've already expended our time. We've utilized all of our water allotment for the first segment. (laughs) I want to remind you that Lignite Energy is the affordable, reliable supply of electricity. Get more details about Lignite and the I Am Lignite story at Lignite.com. We're back with more Hank Bugler. Roll out after this. Welcome back. Roll out. Trent Lewis alongside Hank Vogler. Any big uh, earth-shattering movements in the White Pine County Commissioner meeting last week? No, it was kind of a honor, really. Uh, it wasn't too bad that the solar guys showed up, want to put a bunch of solar panels around the airport. Uh, you know, I, I, I again, I, I, I hearken back, <laughs> you know, uh, and by the way, Mr. Luce, uh, Harry Reid got his start by being appointed to the gaming commission in the state of Nevada. <laughs> I opened in, myself up to that one, didn't I? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You walked into that <laughs> with your eyes wide open. Uh, I, I believe in the, the movie Casino, he was, he was uh, played by uh, uh, Dickie Smothers. So anyhow. 
So that might have been a day or two ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> that's funny right there you just can't help it yeah but you the you know this is a strange thing the federal there's so much federal land in the state of nevada even clark county is burdened by it and so there were a certain amount of acres that were private land uh Bob Coombs and his hog farm and they absorbed it because they could go to a, a hog farmer or a private individual with land and instantly build on that property because they didn't have all the rules and regulations to jump through. Well, they finally exhausted the amount practically of any private land available. So they started tapping into the land that, uh, the federal government still held. And of course, you know, money leads to corruption, believe it or not. It appears to me that over the years, there were probably some bag men going around, uh, making sure things went smoothly. In fact, uh, Bob Abbey, who used to be the head of the BLM, uh, I, and that thing faded away. I don't know what happened there, but he was being indicted at one time for getting uh, kickbacks or something that was a little nefarious with this land exchange. Well, they're getting billions of dollars for this land in Las Vegas. So rather than uh, figure out how to get water out of the ocean or other things like that, they call it Southern Nevada Land Management Projects. And you can apply for it. Well, okay, it sounds so wonderful. It doesn't cost you anything. It's free money, and if you don't go after that free money, it goes to somebody else. So everybody jumps on board, wants all these projects in their backyard, I guess, uh, like the hole-in-the-wall gang that wants to pump the water up the hill to push it down the hill to push it back up the hill to make electricity at a negative rate. Hmm. But at the end of the day, you wind up with that. Uncle Harry's Cuisinart farm down here with 61 windmills, at some point in time, that subsidy will run out. And if history repeats itself, you'll be stuck with those towers setting down there and they will not be producing anything because the subsidy is front loaded. Well, the same way with putting in all these solar panels at the airport. Sounds great. Clean energy. Wow. Wonderful. Well, I don't know. How about FAA? Are, are they going to look the airplane guy trying to land his airplane and uh, weren't kids pushing the laser beams at, at airports and causing all kinds of trouble what about if the whole thing's surrounded and then who pays for the maintenance who pays for the broken panels who pays for the dump that that stuff i mean i mean there's all sorts of other things that 10 15 years from now when i'm long gone they're going to have to be budgeting money to operate these pie in the sky projects and they don't seem to get that. Uh, they they want just stuff like that. It just, I, I, you know, you can't just think for today. What what's the proverb? If your if your goals are short term, plant rice. If they're of a medium term, plant trees. If they're long term, educate your children. Well, we're not educating our children for at any level, short term or long term. So we are just, oh, okay. You know, we're, we're the mice walking up to the trap with the cheese in it. So, I mean, it's nuts.
Uh, what about the batteries? Because I got a friend who got a grant, put in this wonderful solar panel, uh, panel system at his house. And I said, well, at least you're covered when the power fails. No, I'm not, he said. I got a grant to put in any solar panels, but I can't afford the $70,000 batteries that have to be replaced annually. <laughs> Welcome. You know, uh, right here where I live, you've been here. There are little tiny houses around here that used to have diesel generators in them. Now, I don't suppose that they were running greenhouses or anything, but they were creating enough electricity for the convenience, and I'm sure that they paid a price. There was a windmill that created uh, electricity, and I'm sure that they didn't have a gazillion electrical appliances, but they had the convenience of flipping on a light switch. And, yeah, they had a cinder block house with these giant old batteries. They were glass on the outside and filled with some kind of a liquid on the inside, and, and they were huge. And, and, and uh, But the wiring that came off of them, you know, wasn't as big around as your thumb. It was it was pretty fine wired. So, yeah, but this far away until Rural Electric came in here, Mount Wheeler Power, that was the only way other than the kerosene lamp, lanterns are taking the lids off of your wood stove for light at night. So, yeah, that, uh, that was that convenience. That was something that was uptown. How much time and thought have you given to uh, what you can or will do to become self-sufficient in electricity? Uh, I have two rather large diesel generators. Uh, I've I've looked into more than once putting solar panels on the on the barn, on the shop, and on this house. And then all of a sudden, you hit the wall when you find out about the maintenance. The fact that yeah, I can create electricity in the daylight and send it on down the line. The same way with the hole-in-the-wall gang that wants to send the, the electricity to uh, Reno and Vegas and other places, wheel it somewhere else. Same way with the solar panels. Uh, it's not for here. You you get it in your backyard, but the electricity winds up going somewhere else. But then when you start throwing in the battery part of it and going completely off of the grid, you go, "Woo! we can shut this place down at night. We can have emergencies. We can run the refrigerators. We can do something better than this and use fossil fuels. So I have two generators as well, but you have to have a supply of diesel. So I'm talking about going off the grid where you're, I mean, I've, I've given a lot of thought to it and I haven't come up with any good solutions. Well, neither have I. Uh, and stay tuned, I guess is about all you can say. Maybe uh, maybe someday they will come up with something better than a lithium battery. Maybe they'll come up uh, with some way to cheaply uh, convert hydrogen into usable energy uh, without having the, the dangers of the fact that it's very volatile. I, you know, <clears throat> that's going to have to come from the private sector. That's going to have to come from somebody like Wozniak and Jobs in a garage starting out an Apple computer. That's mm. where that stuff comes from, not not from government. Because government, somebody will come in from another industry 
that uh, you know I've read several times about uh, alternating current versus the direct current, and and the uh, Tesla was uh, adamant that it was cheaper to go direct current, but Thomas Edison or whatever they they went with alternating current. So there's all if you come up with something that would get a uh, hundred miles to the gallon on gas. Uh, I'm sure that somebody in the fossil fuel industry would go, uh, we'd like to buy that patent from you. Oh, sure. Here. I, I'm convinced <laughs> and then we're never already hear from there. It again. I'm pretty sure you can do that now if you wanted to. Sure. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of things out there that are going to be, uh, you know, the, uh, when they were making Studebaker wagons, I'm sure that there was somebody saying, hey, the, these uh, horseless carriages, they're, they're a joke. They're never going to work. You should invest in Studebaker wagons and buggy whips and long lines yeah. and harness. That's the only way to go. This is just junk. Better shoes. So again, the, answer, the answer is better shoes for the horses. That's the answer. <laughs> you got we got to go to a break. And I uh, want to remind you about Certified Piedmontese. The opportunity as a cattleman, a Great Plains cattleman. Hank, you're out. You're too far out of the mix. The Great Plains cattleman can be a part of this supply chain. It's about tender beef and the Italian breed Piedmontese just inherently have this tenderness aspect that generates tender beef time in and time out. Tenderness is what drives consumer demand and, set more importantly, satisfaction, and you can have it delivered directly to your door. And now lamb is available as well, not just certified Piedmontese beef. You can go to the Plethora of Protein website. It is called CertifiedPiedmontese.com. You can become a subscriber and have a monthly package sent direct to your house. You don't need fossil fuel to go get it. Fossil fuel is used to deliver to you. How about that for a concept? CertifiedPiedmontese.com. Back with more after this. Welcome back. We're all out. Trent Lewis alongside Hank Vogler. Checking in from White Pine County, Nevada. That's when will the snow melt in the mountains? Don't tell me when uh, it gets above thirty-two well, degrees either. Well, I think last night before last is the first time it hasn't froze at night uh, since the first uh, since last fall. So it is warming up. It's, in fact, it's in the seventies, which is about ten degrees above normal. One thing about it, what snow's left in those mountains is pretty solid. So it's not going to melt real fast unless we yeah. get some tremendously warm weather. So good enough. We'll take it. We'll take it because we can't change it. You know, <laughs> when Mother Nature says, hold my beer and watch this, you better look out. <laughs> True story. Hey, in an unrelated note almost, we had a fantastic Mother's Day weekend, Landry graduated from high school, and uh, we are like months away from being empty nesters, so we're going to have to figure out how to deal with that, Hank. Well, I'm on Kelly's side. I think she already knows how to deal with empty nesting as we speak. <laughs> you seem Your career doesn't exactly have you holding the weeds in the ditch behind the house, so... <laughs> yeah, I'm a little worried about that. My potatoes have not come up yet. Uh-oh. I tried something different. 
And if uh, if I now that we've had a lot of rain, if I get a good week of heat, I think it would take care of it. The weeds are doing well, but the potatoes are not surfacing. Well, uh, John Kerry's going to fix that. He says that agriculture contributes 33% or some ridiculous figure like that to uh, carbon. So, um, anyhow, uh, it, which, well, which is wonderful. Once again, control the food, control the people. So, I'd like to sit down and visit with John Kerry because I'd quickly inform him without carbon, there would be no agriculture. Because it's through a process called photosynthesis, which actually encourages plant growth and makes life better. And funny you mention that because this very day, that's where I'm headed. I am in uh, McPherson County, South Dakota, at a, a local rally on the courthouse steps in Leola, South Dakota, because there are 89 landowners in this general area of South Dakota that have been hit with imminent domain papers. They're going to publicly take their land. Obviously, they say there's going to be compensation as imminent domain works, so to speak. And it is all about the CO2 pipeline so that we can get this dangerous stuff to North Dakota and bury it in the mile, mile deep in earth. And Hank, the folks in South Dakota and North Dakota, but today we're focused on South Dakota, are, are, are saying no more. We're not going to do this. So <clears throat> we're having an old-fashioned rally at the courthouse. If you're not busy, you might come by. Leola, South Dakota. Well, it's about, you know, I mean, that is the thing that government and cancer has in common. It has to grow until it kills the host or comes close to it. and And that's where we're at. You know, it was it all the time I sat and whined about the sage chicken. That was a joke, and then there was actually uh, illegal gambling going on when I would in what part of the program would I would talk about a sage grouse? Well, then lo and behold, the lesser not the great big huge prairie chicken, but the lesser prairie chicken showed up on the horizon. Then it wasn't funny anymore. Well, it's the same thing. Oh, he's a federal land rancher. He got it made. He doesn't have to pay property taxes. He doesn't have any worries. Nobody cuts these fences, leaves his gate open. Or as happened right here at the house, somebody ran over one of my lambs in the middle of the road. Uh, yeah, it, on private land as they're going through on the right of way. So all of those things was a he, 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 ha, ha. Well, eventually, eventually government in order to justify their positions and to keep that position going. I mean, there's so many things that could be eliminated. We don't eliminate them. We just reprocess them. So that's what's happening. Eminent domain in South Dakota. Uh, get rid of the federal land ranchers by having conservation easements, which, by the way, would completely legitimize Southern Nevada Water Authority's venture into controlling 900,000 acres in the state of Nevada illegally, but with special favors. I mean, all of these things, government finally is going to make everybody mad. And I hope they're mad enough to do something about it. You know, <laughs> it's just, speaking, you just can't keep doing this. Speaking of recycling, typically it is, uh, you know, it's, you've been here 18 years every Monday, and it's just a matter of recycling these one-liners so that the new folks hear them. 
I don't think this is a recycled one-liner. I think this is brand new Hank Vogler on this given day, May 15, 2023. The thing cancer and government have in common, they grow until they kill the host. That's fact. It is. And, and, and read, read your history books. You know, I mean, whether, whether you want to believe that Cain killed Abel with a 357 Magnum rock or, how about that David and Goliath thing? You know, that was in all the papers at the time. Well, that was an AR-15 that David used to kill Goliath with. AR stands for a rock, and the, <laughs> and the caliber was 15. So, I mean, uh, it's it was been his going age. on for a long time. <laughs> a 15-year-old with an AR. <laughs> a rock. Well, I don't know. I mean, were you there? I was, I was young at the time. I don't quite remember it, but I mean, all of this stuff, the Bible reads like a, like a, a, a war novel. I mean, this has been going on. Uh, we, they had a republic in Rome and eventually it ate itself up. Uh, then we've had other governments. The Greeks fell on hard times. Uh, Genghis Khan even came apart. All of these things happened. You know, uh, right now in our country, uh, yes, there are some evil Chinese. Heck, there's evil people from Liechtenstein, you know. Uh, there's evil people all over the world. But there are a lot of people here. Look at the, the statistics of Asian people. They're very family-oriented, and they come to this country, and they uh, outperform not only in education, but in business, in savings, in all sorts of things. And eventually, those people will be corrupted by the system and their kids and grandkids will not have the same respect for things. That they Look at the Japanese that they took off of the West Coast and moved them inland. Those people prospered again and again, even though everything they had was taken away from them. So uh, look to the core and the core always comes down to family and respect and religion and all of those things. I don't care what the religion is, but if you keep the core of sensibility rather than letting the government take care of you, uh, you have a chance and we're losing our chance. I really believe. Uh, and I feel sorry for the people that say, Oh heck, all these projects are free, you know, well, they're not. Somewhere down the line, you're going to pay for the maintenance, the upkeep. Just a perfect example is the hole in the wall pipe that's going to pump the water up the top of the hill, pour it down the pipe and create some electricity. And it will. We already have several cricks here that you could put pelt wheels in, may not create as much electricity, but the pipelines are already in. You just got to go do it. And a much more efficient way to do it than, than this pump thing. Yeah, well, I, okay. So if 600 men move here, if six is, I'll, I'll be quick. If 600 people move here to work on that hole in the wall gang deal, $2 billion project, there's going to be another 600 people move to Ely, which is going to be like the circus coming to town. There's going to be new businesses. There's going to be prosperity. The schools are going to get overwhelmed. The hospital's going to get overwhelmed. And the 
law enforcement's going to get overwhelmed. All of these things. Uh, the community will expand. There will be housing. There will be all sorts of things going on. And then all of a sudden, there's going to be 30 or 40 people running this operation or less. Who knows? And the rest of them are going to leave town. But in the meantime, when they all move in, nobody has offered to put up extra housing for the school teachers or for the schools or for the hospital or for anything. So there's going to be a time lag before Santa Claus arrives and, and the money starts to flow uh, to make up the infrastructure. I mean, it's just all of these things. Nobody's considering that. And at the end of the day, if the federal government quits subsidizing these things and quits putting the John Kerry's of the world out there to promote them, you have a collapse in your local economy, just like they did when they got through building the coal fire plant in Delta, Utah. It took them years to, to make up for it. The same thing's going to happen here. Yeah, you know they're shutting do that this. down, by the way. Yes. Well, yeah, you you know, I mean, you can't be running coal-fired plants to create electricity so people can live in comfort. we got to get, you know, hey, you want to mm-hmm. make a good investment. You need to be buying tallow to make candles, and, you know, and get some cotton string for the for the what to light and and phosphorus and w- kitchen matches again. You know, these are this is the upcoming uh, maybe whale oil. See, there you go. Now these whales are dying on the east coast. You should be harvesting the oil out of it to run the whale oil lamps. I mean, that's what Rockefeller did. He replaced the whale oil lamps with kerosene. They were not producing gasoline for cars. It was kerosene for lighting that Rockefeller cornered the market on. Private enterprise. Meanwhile, but he the, destroyed the whale industry. Meanwhile, the, the Biden administration is adopting electric, all electric vehicle programs for the military. Yet his Department of Energy is unveiling new standards saying that gas stoves, ovens, clothes washers, refrigerators, air conditioners, ceiling fans, and dishwashers are not adequate. We got to go to a break. We'll be back for the last whale oil. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You make me pretty happy that I still have a whole room, a whole building full of harness and tack and things that I can throw on a horse and still get to town because I can't be caught at home (laughs) hoeing a row. You know that. Protect the harvest. It leads to a free and fed America. Get more information about how we fight all of the things that Hank and I are talking about right here at the website, protecttheharvest.com. Continually, and there's going to be a whole new facelift to this website. I'm not sure when that's coming. I think this week or next week. It doesn't matter what the facelift looks like. What matters is the information that comes to you and how you empower yourself to stand up to eminent domain. Free and Fed America relies upon you and partner with Protect the Harvest on the web at protecttheharvest.com. Last segment, Roll Route with Hank Bogle right after this. Welcome back. Roll Route, Trent Lewis, just like that with Hank Bogle. We are into the final segment. Who came up with the coined term? It's free money. You might as well take it. Hey, Ralph, they got that equip funds down there. You might as well get that free money. Somebody's going to take it if you don't. Who coined that phrase first? Was it you? Well, probably anybody that, that that got in line. I mean, right now, <laughs> uh, I, I, I willfully admit we had a terrible winter. 
And you can go into the FSA office right now and sign up for programs if your losses were at a certain level. And uh, my bills come due the same as everybody else's. It's very hard to turn anything like that down. But, yeah, it's a stick and a carrot deal, you know, at, at some point in time. It's sort of like our banking system. We have agricultural banking, American Ag Credit. used to be PC&A, Mother Ray at the PC&A. So what happens if all the farmers went on strike tomorrow? Somebody from the federal government is going to call up the farm banks and say, you call these people up and tell them you're going to take it away from them, Yeah, that the party's over. We, we're in charge. We're the ones that... Uh, are back in your bank. So, okay, you know, how many people will go, wow, I'm in this place five generations, four generations, even one generation. And the farm industry can be choked off in a second by taking the ability to get capital away from it. And it's, it's getting choked right now. Uh, the last letter I got was 8.5% on revolving line of credit. So... And wow. yet, Tom Vilsack, Secretary of Agriculture, is out on his stump speech talking about the upcoming farm bill, and he can't stop bragging. I that's my description about his his quote: eighty nine percent of the U.S. farmers failed to make a livable wage in twenty twenty two, despite despite the fact, Hank that there were $162 billion, a new record, in farm receipts for 2022, and yet 89% cannot make a livable wage. Okay. Look at the beef cattle deal. The the actual person that raised that steer for harvest slaughter uh, used to get about, I think it was like 60% of the value of that animal. And now it's like 30% of the value of that animal. Everything is cost plus transportation, all of those other things. That's, I don't know if that's remarkable or not, but uh, I assume if I were a packer and I wouldn't, you know, you can't blame them. Hold on before we talk about the packer, because I think there's some things going on in the beef packing world right now that need special attention. But what's your formula? 30% 30 of the retail price? I think so. It goes no, back 15. to the farmer. It's 15. 15? Yes. Oh, well, so my statistics are just like me. They're old. Yeah, your <laughs> statistics are old. <laughs> so, again, yeah. But, and I'm not bad-mouthing the Packers. If you have a board of directors and you have stockholders, you're supposed to operate at a profit. Now, maybe you have figured out ways to eliminate your competition by using the federal government through rules and regulations, whether it be H2A workers or new cement floors and new drainage systems and all the kind of things that add to your bottom line that the small packers could not compete with. Maybe that's how you do it. Or, But when you send out your buyers of a morning, whether they go to the Loop City Auction Barn or Alabama's, uh, uh, Coleman, Alabama's, uh, auction barn and buy livestock. They're not there to, uh, they don't jump up and like the old boys before they had cell phones and, and, and iPhones. 
there always was a phone in, in, in the arena. And when some poor old kid in bib overalls bid against him, they'd run a few at him. And, and when, and if they, if the guy stayed at it and two or three other farmers were trying to buy in every one of those old buyers in Dyer's row, I always call it Dyer's row. They'd get up, go to that phone and tell the people they were buying for that the price of livestock just went up. And if you want to buy anything in, in, uh, uh, Coleman, Alabama, you, at the auction barn, you got to pay more, and they get an okay, or a, or they go have coffee, one or the other. I mean, that's that was the, the open market. So if you can make private treaties, all these other things, uh, that's what's happened. The evolution of the cost of production has gotten to the point where it's a very thin margin, and and so yeah, that's what's happened. But John Kerry's going to save us all. <laughs> Put us yeah. out of business, then then things will be expensive. Yeah, Loop City Livestock Auction closed down five years ago. Well, Coleman, Alabama's livestock auction is still wide open, and mm. the man that runs it says he listens to us. So mm. we had to give him a little plug there. Well, and, more uh, power to him, and I hope they can stay open because it's vitally important that we keep that infrastructure in place. But uh, I want to talk about the two domestically owned beef packers um there's something very nefarious about what they're doing because they both announced that due to the packer margins due to this due to that they're they're reducing numbers and cutting back and and i understand profitability hank but i also see um where they're playing both sides of the fence and let's just take cargo for one it's pretty clear their commitment is not to U.S. food production anymore. You can walk in their office, their meat office in Wichita, not the corporate office in Minneapolis, and you can walk in there and you can see a sign that pretty much says we're dedicated to Africa being the future of the food supply. And I walked through a war game with somebody that they commissioned in 2015 that basically said by 2030 our investment in food production will be in Africa. We have a well, the meat packer XL that now has a company that is invested more in alternative meat substance than they're investing in their own products. It's pretty concerning. Well, you also, you could put a, uh, you can get a Brazilian cowboy, according to what the Paraguayans sheep shears told me, cost you $60 a month for the cowboy and you have to give him meat. And some of them give extra housing, but that's what, and we're competing against that beef production in uh, this country, which you can't find anybody that if you gave them a 3000 a month in beef, you probably couldn't hire very many people. So, yeah. And that's, that is our competition now. And I'm yeah, sure absolutely. Africa will be even cheaper. Well, there's so, been a, yep. there, a quiet, somewhat quiet infrastructure in African irrigation and agriculture and food production that nobody seems to be talking about, but it's just like this ever-looming thing. People know that Africa is the future. Well, how about that Nile River? What happens if it doesn't run into the Mediterranean, running right straight north, if everybody down the line starts tapping it? Wars have been fought over a lot less. You know, it's not two old farmers on a ditch bank anymore arguing over in a dry year over a dribble of water. <laughs> it's countries. 
Yeah. You know, uh, we were overwhelming on the, on the, uh, people that use the Colorado River and, uh, were able to tell Mexico to pound sand basically when they set those things up in the thirties. So maybe that'll come back to haunt us. Who knows? All of our agriculture's moving out of California into Mexico because of the cost of production. The same companies moved to Mexico that produced it in California. They can't produce in California anymore. Government, government, government. So, yeah. Well, the good news is with uh, Title 42 expiring and then the acceleration of more illegals, you'll just have people lined up left and right wanting to work at Need More Sheep Company. I go out and stand by the mailbox every morning and nobody showed up yet. (laughs) You got to draw a map on how to get there because GPS don't even know where you're at. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's amazing. Uh, the, the hypocrisy of talking out of both sides of their mouth. You know, we got to have, have this for the urban cities. We got to have WOTUS, got to have more federal control of water. Mm-hmm. Well, why do we need more federal control of water where a puddle that lasts for 30 days now becomes navigable water and should be controlled by the government? Government, government, government. That's what it amounts to. And, all of them are guilty of it. Republicans, Democrats, and all of them. Yeah. We could solve the labor product. We got to have, you cannot vote. You can come here and work. Uh, you know, you can, we, you and I have been to another country. Uh, we couldn't have gotten a job there if we would have wanted to. The people that are there. But if we have to have these people to do stoop labor, there's going to be a tremendous amount of competition. So the price is going to go down. And if you're already hiring illegal people, it's not going to bother you a bit to say, hey, boys and girls, I got people lined up at the door that wants this job milking these cows or wants this job making these beds or mowing these lawns. So we're not paying 18 bucks an hour. We're paying five bucks an hour. Have a nice day. Well, okay, that's not going to work. And how can these people vote? I watched those Basque people when they got their citizenship papers. It was a party. It was a celebration at the rectory at the Catholic Church and every time. And it was a monumental event. They were still Bascos. They still had the Basco picnic, but they were um, Americanunac, Uskaldunac, American Basco. And yeah. they were proud of that. Well, and, that's and the- these people want to join America? Okay, become a citizen. That's still the overriding issue because uh, today I'm just hooked on this farm bill discussion that's going to ramp up. 42 million Americans are on some form of government food assistance. That doesn't count all the other subsidies, just government food assistance. One in four children are receiving government food assistance. And 80% of this $1.5 trillion farm bill is going to be de- dedicated to giving more of these food recipients money. I don't want the farmer to get a handout. I don't want Hank Vogler to get a handout. And I don't want these people on the, the pu- public dole getting 42 million people worth of food from the SNAP program. You're not going to make progress that way. 30 seconds, Hank. Well, <laughs> bienvenidos Estados Unidos. Welcome to America. You know, when you can buy yourself a pay raise, what are you going to do? Everybody's going to vote for a pay raise. You know, democracy is two wolves and a lamb deciding what to have for dinner, and the vote will be two to one. That's how you control the people. (laughs) 
Hey, the way things are going, the vote might be three to one. It's time to check out of here. We have successfully journeyed down the path connecting food producers to food consumers. I want to also say thank you to the veterans. We couldn't even have this discussion if it were not for the sacrifice of the U.S. veterans. Details about how you can be a part of saying thank you at thewallofhonor.org. For Hank Bogler, I'm Trent Luce. Both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a rollout.